Well, Taylor, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So my mom gave me, who listens to every episode, she gave, gives me some constructive criticism that I don't introduce people properly. Mm. So for this episode, I wrote a little bio about you and you, you can you can tell me what's wrong or what's right about it. Sounds good. So for people <laughs> listening, let me know how these bios go and we'll see if we'll do them again. But Taylor Bell is a graduate of the Warden School at the University of Pennsylvania, where she studied economics and international studies. She has previously worked as a model and a consultant. Taylor is currently a YouTube creator where she makes videos on consulting, New York City, and lifestyle. She started her channel less than two years ago and has built an audience of more than 130,000 subscribers with 7 million views. She has also helped me purchase my first external hard drive so I could become a real YouTuber. How'd we do? That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> LinkedIn come in handy? Or? <laughs> All of it. Yeah. <laughs> so now everyone knows who you are. Yeah. We can start on that. And um, I figured we'd start with the modeling because I know you starred in a Warner Brothers music video with more than 20 million views. I did. So tell me more about that. Oh, good. I was, okay. Let me just say for the people at home, I was curious what questions you were going to come up with because there's not a ton of public information on me. Uh, yeah, that was a really fun experience. Modeling in general. I mean, I never, never got huge. Like it's, you wouldn't recognize me from a billboard or anything like that, but uh, it's a cool experience. And the, the music video itself was, it was fun. That was my first real taste, I guess, seeing what a production like that could even be like. Um, <laughs> there actually is a crazy story behind it. I was 17 at the time and the original, uh, this isn't planned or anything. We did not talk about this. The original concept for that video was a lot more raunchy than it turned out to be. Like they were actually going to have one of the girls be topless and like have some paraphernalia showing and all that. They didn't know that I was a minor at the time. Wow. They didn't ask my agency. I don't know how that was overlooked. Um, so anyway, there were two days of filming. The first day, some of that was involved. Uh, nothing with me, but like one of the other girls, you know, whatever. And uh, this, and then halfway through the first day, they found out. I don't know how. It didn't come up. I didn't bring it up. But anyway, there was this whole thing where for the second day of filming, my agent tried to pull me off set. But the, <laughs> the director and everything, they kind of tried to like backhand and not pay me off, but kind of sort of. Anyway, it, it worked out. They actually ended up having to change the whole concept. Otherwise, it would have been totally illegal. But, but it was very fun. Like got a <laughs> just longboard around Los Angeles and... It, it was a great time, but kind of a funny situation there. How did you, was that later in your modeling career or earlier? Uh, later side. Yeah. I stopped after, uh, after high school. Like when I went to Philadelphia for college, I couldn't really, I mean, for college in general, even if I went to college in New York or LA, I think that there wouldn't have been, a, been enough time. It was hard enough with high school. Um, so yeah, it was towards the end because it was my senior year of high school. And is that something you would have considered doing later after college or? Uh, why, why or why not? Yeah, no. Um, I mean, who's to say, you know, if I, if I made it big, things might be different. It never really was a huge thing for me. It's a great way to make some, some money in high school and, and learn how to, you know, uh, budget and all these things, um, and, and invest, you know, pretty early on, which was great. But, um, so, so I guess that's to say if I made it big perhaps, but, but no, it, it was never, um, it, it differs with YouTube in this way, where with YouTube, I can show my personality. I can really, really put my my creativity and whatever else you want to call it into this thing that I make, into these videos. Versus with modeling, you're, of course, there are fun parts to it. Hair and makeup is fun. Catering, like, it's all fun. At least I had a good time with it. But um, but you're, you're a professional clothes hanger, I mean, in, in a lot of ways. And uh, I went through some things that were definitely... I don't know, dehumanizing might be a strong word, but there's, there's an element of that. So, um, so no, it was never, 
I never wanted that to be my career. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And you bring up YouTube and I'm curious when you actually started watching YouTube as a, as a consumer. Yeah. Oh, always. I, I guess I do know some people who were even more hardcore, like they could rattle off all the, the main YouTubers of back in the day. But no, I've been a huge consumer of YouTube for, I mean, since I was a kid, really just, you know, whether it was something, whether I wanted to learn something new or, you know, entertainment. Um, I guess I used it more so for educational purposes. I really like Wendover Productions and, and channels that just that teach something versus pure lifestyle YouTubers. But um, obviously in the last couple of years, I've got more into that side of it too. So, so. who were some of your favorites growing up? Um, ooh, good question. More so educational channels. I guess not, now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't start watching, like really, really watching lifestyle until fairly recently. Um, so I don't know, even know if I could give you a good answer to that, but you know, educational channels, Wendover Productions is it. And, and the likes are my favorites probably. Cool. Yeah. Well, you know Wendover Productions? No, I don't. I'm not familiar with they that. They just make a lot of, it's this guy he makes, and I'm sure a huge team now, but he makes a lot of videos about logistics and like how, uh, ski resorts are, you know, just lots of lots of different really cool topics even made one on the creator economy for youtubers recently so yeah i'll have to check that one out you'd like it yeah so but you did watch a bunch of finance youtubers or how did you get involved with graham stefan yeah uh kind of sorta yes i when i started a youtube channel as you mentioned in my bio less than two years ago i um yeah i did get into to graham's content and uh, not that I would watch every single video, but certainly he was a good go-to YouTuber for, um, you know, the difference between a Roth 401k, traditional 401k. Like when I was starting my, my job in consulting, it was, it was nice to kind of re refresh my memory on these topics. And, you know, he, he does, uh, got to hand it off to him. He, he really does a great job of laying it out, making it entertaining and just easy to digest. So he was definitely one. And then I found Nate and like a few other YouTubers, uh, in the finance, um, I guess, minimalistic lifestyle in Nate's case as well, uh, space that I really, really enjoyed. So, but how did I get involved? I left a comment on one of Graham's videos and should I tell the, <laughs> why not? <Yeah. laughs> for those who don't know, I was on, um, Graham Stephan's podcast, the iced coffee hour, uh, Graham and Jack's podcast a couple of years ago. And that was totally through, through luck, I guess. I left a comment on one of his videos and he invited me on as, as Jack's blind date and <laughs> a little bit of an awkward situation for reasons we can or cannot go into whatever you want but but uh yeah that's how that's how got involved yeah so at that time you had what like 200 or 400 subscribers yeah, 400. and then you go on to graham's channel and you get to 5,000 overnight basically pretty much exactly yeah. yes and i'm making a video where i outline kind of my journey there it's coming out soon but um yeah I, I was on his podcast had 448 subscribers which by the way i was actually happy with at my at that point in my journey i had a channel for only three months at that point and the growth wasn't linear like it was really picking up at the end so i was looking at hitting a thousand in the next couple months and uh at which point i had loosely planned to kind of uh brought in the topics that i talked about on youtube venturing more into lifestyle and personal finance and all these things, consulting instead of just reselling, which is the the niche that I entered YouTube um, in. And But yeah, 5,000 subscribers by the end of the week after that came out, which um, which presented its new challenges as well. I mean, it was a net positive. It was just obviously very, very great to, to have that. But it, I had to find my own voice because the people that came over were almost 100% men who were acutely interested in personal finance. And, if, you know, I am too, but it was never what I wanted my channel to solely be about. So, um, so I had to find my, my way and like how to organically grow my own audience. And yeah. How do you do that? You have a, a bunch of new eyeballs and, a, and an audience that doesn't follow you for the thing that you want to be known for. Right. What do you do in that situation? 
probably if looking back, I would have done it a little differently. I think that I, I put out a, a couple good videos after going on Graham's podcast that I think catered to both what I enjoyed and what I thought they might want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I made a video like how I profit $110 per hour online in my 20s right after I went on that podcast, which I think combined my reselling aspects or, you know, my reselling videos with personal finance. So I, I, I leveled up my reselling videos a little bit. I think with that video, I timed every step of my process where I would thrift the clothes, photograph them, sell them like, and then organ- like look at my sell through rate to see exactly how much I was profiting, like per, per hour of my labor basically. And, um, so anyway, I, I came out with a few good ones, I think, but then after a while I realized I wasn't going to spend that long on each and every video. So I think I, I, I kind of threw a bunch of things at the wall to see what would stick and, you know, a few like personal Q and A's so people could get to know me better and, just some random things. Um, but what I think I was lacking for a while, and that's why I felt directionless for a few months uh, after going on the podcast, was that I really wasn't delivering a ton of value, mm. which I would is, is probably my number one tip for, for people who are starting YouTube channels. You have to deliver value. That doesn't have to mean teaching something, but it can be delivering entertainment. I mean, you know, some people might say, well, Emma Chamberlain's videos aren't valuable. I mean, she's entertaining. You know, that, that is value. It, it provides an escape to some people. So anyway, to answer your question, though, of, of how to deal with that, I think that what I should have done sooner after going on the podcast was really delivering value, talking about consulting or talking about how I got into an Ivy League, like, you know, things that I had a competitive advantage or an angle at. Mm. Um, I was afraid to make those videos because they really can come off as boastful if you don't approach it properly, I think. Um, but I eventually did. And, and that's what really kickstarted the next phase of my channel, um, organically getting people that were there for me. Yeah. So. What I admire so much about your YouTube presence is the way you're able to talk about these things like living in New York City and Warden and consulting, but you're able to do it in a humble way. Thank you. How, how do you manage and do both of those things at the same time? Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, I, um, it, it's really not all that calculated. I just don't see myself as, um, I don't know, that might sound strange, but I just try to keep it real. <laughs> I don't see myself as better or, or um, you know, if anything, again, I'm afraid to talk about it because I know it can come off as boastful. So I just... Uh, um, I know that's not answering the question really, but I, I don't I just, that's how I am, I guess. I don't know. Well, one very interesting thing you do is you insert your quirky personality into <laughs> different parts of the video and you're very comfortable being authentically yourself. And I think that's a big part of it. Thank you. And so have you always been that way or is that something that you've built up over the years? And if so, how have you built it? Yeah. You mean on camera specifically being yeah. that way or in general? I mean, I don't know you that well yeah. in, in general, but on camera, it's very clear you're willing to put goofy photos of yourself on there. You put yourself as Dwight Schrute. You're, <laughs> so I yeah. think that's a rare thing that Thank you. that people don't often see, and it shows you're comfortable in your own skin. Thank you. That's very sweet. Uh, I guess it's an interesting thing to think about because I, I think I heard Billie Eilish recently say it is easier to perform in front of a million people than 50 people. Wow. So perhaps, and I literally just thought of this, but I think it is a similar thing where I'm in my room filming by myself. So I can 100% be myself around myself and with my camera, you know, it's this inanimate object. And, and it still did take time to get comfortable on camera. Um, but because I'm by myself filming and I write the scripts, I mean, I write, you know, it's, it's 100% me. Um, it just, yeah, it, it just, it's because I'm by myself, I'm not in front of an audience. It's interesting because I'm probably more myself in my videos than I am with some of my friends. Like I'm probably goofier in my videos than I am around, yeah, like actually some of my closest friends, um, which is interesting. But it's because I'm by myself, honestly, I guess. And then I can edit and make it 
my humor and things like that too. So what have, how has you, how have you seen that progression as you've done and gone throughout your own YouTube journey? Like how have you been more comfortable as you've gone on? Question. Um, I guess one really, there is just like that concrete aspect of, 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 talking the same way that you would in real life to a camera. That definitely does take some time. Um, I think over time, growing that audience that was organically there for me and uh, and getting, I guess, the validation from from them that they think I'm funny or they think I'm, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever you want to say. But um, uh, I guess that really, that it reaffirmed, oh, I can be myself. And yeah, some people aren't going to think I'm funny. That's totally fine. Or they might think I'm you know, you can, you can name some, some insults there too, but, uh, just, I guess, yeah, growing an audience over time that does seem to like me for me, which is like the biggest compliment in the, in the entire world, I guess, um, just made me more comfortable doing it. Yeah. And in Graham's podcast, he mentioned, or the comments mentioned rather, wow, this woman is so charismatic. What's going on here? Like why am I, and I, I thought that was an interesting, you've never been on a podcast before and here you're just talking and being yourself. Did you have any inclinations when you were younger that you were supposed to be in front of the camera speaking? I know you were modeling, obviously, but did you ever think, oh, I, I should speak, I should be an actress, or I should do something like that? Uh, not a ton. I, yeah, some things came up. My dad, who my dad's a pilot, but he he's also a professional photographer on the side, like uh, camera, you know, cameras and airplanes were always his thing. And so I, I grew up in front of a camera in that way, just, I mean, you know, family trips, but he would take thousands and thousands of photos. So in some way I got comfortable in front of a camera, just taking still shots at a very young age. But, um, I guess I always did like public speaking. I, I was pr actually pretty shy as a kid. Didn't come out of my shell until, until I got really into athletics actually. And then once I would start playing basketball with the boys and things like that, then I actually came out of my shell a bit more. I remember that kind of happening fifth, sixth grade. Um, but then I, I took on roles. I was student body president at my high school, at which point I, you know, would address or, or give a speech in some way, shape or form every single week to, you know, 700 people to the whole student body. So I guess that probably uh, helped a little bit or at least got me used to it. But but no, I mean, it wasn't a thing growing up that I always knew I wanted to do. My parents did, though. They always thought I should be a, you know, broadcast journalist or, or news anchor. They, they always thought that since I was a kid, which is crazy because I was shy. So I don't, I don't know. But, what do you, what do you yeah. think they saw in you? Um, I guess what the things you just said. I guess the things that people are, seem to be saying now. I don't. I don't know. They knew my personality, obviously, from day one. Like, you know, th they knew. I guess that I <laughs> that I'm goofy or that I. I don't know. I don't know. It feels weird to compliment myself, but they <laughs> uh, or to to say these things. But I don't know. I don't know exactly what they saw. Is YouTube <laughs> something you could see yourself doing forever? Uh so. Hmm. YouTube itself, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I, if YouTube is enough. Okay. This is something I could talk about for so long, but I was really questioning for so long, is YouTube a career? Because as much as I love filming myself, writing scripts, making videos, like I really, really, really love it. Is it forever? I mean, you know, data shows probably not because most channels do have an expiration date of, of some, some shape or form, always going to be some exceptions there. But, um, I, I would need to do something else as well. Like something like you and I, you and I know so many YouTubers who are doing so many really, really cool things on the side as side ventures that, that came about from their YouTube channel. So I would have to do that. I know, um, I think, or want to do that at least. Um, but in some way, shape or form, yeah, I would love to do it forever. I mean, it's the most rewarding thing ever to be able to take something from your brain, put it on paper, film it, edit it. And then, you know, thousands of people see it. It's just so cool. What part of the process do you enjoy the most? Ooh, that's a good question. 
I probably enjoy, hmm. <laughs> I mean, editing, even though it's the part that I should probably be outsourcing sooner than later because it takes so long. It is where I can really put in the fine-tuned details of like my humor and, you know, uh, just tell a story really because every video is different. For the sit-down videos, I'm not totally telling a story. Like most of the work is front-loaded with writing the script for ones like that. But for my vlogs, like New York, going out in New York City, the storytelling aspect really comes in through the editing. And that's where I probably have the most creativity and the most fun. So, yeah. That makes sense. And if you could start a business, you mentioned all these side projects and ventures that other YouTubers are doing. You could start a business in anything. Mm -hmm. It can be related to YouTube, but it can't be monetizing yourself. Yep. What type of business would you start? I still don't totally have that figured out. I've been thinking for years and years because um, my mom was an entrepreneur as well, started her own business after practicing as an architect for a long time. Um, and so I always knew from day one, I did want to start my own business or, or to be at least at the ground level of something just where I really felt like I had purpose or had a piece of it versus like my full-time consulting job is, is not like that to compare the two. Um, I still don't know what it would be in yet. And, and now that I have YouTube, which I've only done for, you know, less than two years now. And I, but I know how much I love that and being in front of a camera and being able to show my personality, something related to that. Not sure what it would be yet. Um, still working on growing the channel and then I'll, I'll figure it out. But I, I don't totally know yet. I wish I did. <laughs> in addition to being a broadcast journalist or a YouTuber, I was listening to you on the way here and I, I couldn't help but think, and don't take this the wrong way, I won't. that you could be an incredible politician <laughs> in the way you, you phrase answers and your ability to communicate. Thank you. And is that something you've ever considered? For a second in high school, like uh, politics briefly. Um, and then, and then that, and then no, <laughs> like I was thinking about doing political science as my major and then got into business school. And ultimately that is what I wanted to do. And then I just, and, and then I just got really sick of politics a few years ago. I think a lot of us have. I mean, in the last, not just a few years ago with any, you know, single person, honestly, um, just the whole entire, just how polarizing it's become and how sensationalist it is. And it's just a bunch of, I don't know, it's a bunch of BS. <laughs> so, so no, but, but I do appreciate that. I mean, yeah. I know you mean it as a compliment. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I also want to talk about, you mentioned before about the pilot's license yes. and flying all over the place. Well, we can get into the the travel anywhere you want to go yeah. a little bit later. But how do you get your pilot's license? So I should say, I don't have my private pilot's license. My whole entire family does. I'm I'm like the the, the odd one out in that I don't have my private. But um, I did start flying at, I think, the age of 14 or 15. Um, but my whole family, are, I mean, my dad was in the Air Force, flew for Delta for 35 years after that. My brother has his private pilot's license. My mom has her pilot's, I mean, you know, recreational pilots, um, grandfather, like head instructor in the Air Force, other grandfather in the 101st Airborne. Uh, it's wow. it's like a Top Gun family. It's a proper Top Gun family. <laughs> so the fact that, again, I don't have my pilot's license is, is bad. But no, um, how did I get it? Through my, through my dad. Um, I always did have a, a genuine love for it. It's not just because of my dad. But, um, but yeah, I grew up around airplanes. I grew up at air shows. Um, my dad has a, a small plane. So, I, you know, we would hang out in the hangar and, and just... I love the smell of them. Like it sounds weird, but but I do have a, a deep love for aviation. Um, so, but it started with my family roots. Yeah, and you can travel anywhere. Yes, so that's that's a Delta benefit. So my dad, as I mentioned, you know, Delta pilot for many many years, and uh, that's that's a perk of of the job. So he and my mom get free flights for I mean for life. Um, my brother and I got totally free flights up until we turned twenty four. Once we turned twenty four. It's still 
we pay this thing called yield fare, which is still a deeply discounted rate. I mean, we're talking a hundred bucks to fly first class to Tel Aviv, which I did a couple weeks wow. ago. <laughs> so, um, so it, <laughs> it's, crazy. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it, I mean, just one of the biggest privileges of my life and the reason I've been able to travel around the world quite a bit. So yeah, so it's a great perk. Where have you gone and, and where should we go? Ooh, where have I gone? I mean, I could, I could list them out for <laughs> you, but, uh, I will say my favorites in the last few, I, I think ever, honestly, besides a lot of the places in the U S which I think are underrated, um, Iceland is up there. It is just, it depends on what you like to do. Obviously, if you like to go shopping and all that, Iceland is not where you want to go. But if you love the outdoors and just love beautiful vistas, it is, it's like another world. It's like being on Mars sort of, but not with a deserty sense. It's, you know, just the greenest green you'll ever see. Black volcanic, I don't know, just absolutely gorgeous. Highly recommend if you like hiking and yeah. Iceland. Iceland. Wow. Big fan. But then so many other places too. But honestly, one thing I appreciate my dad and mom doing was even though we had these travel benefits, they didn't want my brother and I to go to do a ton of international travel until we really saw the U.S. because there's so much here to see. So I've been to all 50 states in the U.S. and that's uh, in some of my most, you know, my favorite places in the world are right here. Yosemite is up there. Um, the national parks in Utah, like Zion, you know, Moab, Bryce, Canyonlands, all those. Absolutely breathtaking. So I, I highly recommend that, honestly, even before doing a ton of international travel. What do you think that traveling has given you that you otherwise wouldn't have gained? Um, for me specifically, I mean, I know most people would say, oh, the access to other cultures and this and that. Like, yes, of course. But um, for me, it was quality time with my family. Mm -hmm. I really grew up, I'm very, very privileged in that my parents really didn't, like my, my dad, they're older. My parents had me at an older age. So I grew up uh, with older parents and, and they were retired pretty much since I was born, both of them. And so I grew up extremely close to them. Um, and that's what traveling gave us is that that time together and those really, really deep family root values that I will always carry with me. That's what it gave me. Um, but then, of course, yes, access to other cultures and um, just in history and, and all that good stuff, too. <laughs> so you've seen the entire world. Why live in New York City? Um, that's a good question. New York is, I will say, I hopped on the bandwagon. I'm glad I'm here. I am. But uh, almost everyone, or okay, like 85% probably of people that go to Penn, where I went to college, do come to New York afterwards. And it's either finance, consulting, tech, eh, kind of, they go to SF, or, um, you know, private equity. The, the, and I did the same thing. And uh, it is an inspiring city, though. I mean, I, I did intern here for two summers before moving here. So I knew I liked it, sort of. Maybe not forever, but but for a few years, and um, that's why. I mean, just like it, it really is a sounds so cliche, but it really is like a hub of ambition and, and drive, and people that are so focused on their career, but also work hard, play hard. It's it's a great place for that. And then with YouTube, it's also proved to be very advantageous as well. So that's why. How so? <laughs> uh, just people romanticize the. I won't curse. Sorry. They romanticize the city. Like. I was gonna say they romanticize the, the shit out of New York. Like <laughs> people around the world. I don't know what it is. Um, but it is a place like no other in, in a lot of ways. That is true. But um, yeah, people just love the New York City vlogs. And, and uh, it's interesting. People do get personally offended with how much people pay in rent here. Mm. So it's a little sensationalist. Like, you know, here's how much I pay for this shoebox, you know, that, that whole thing. Like people love the New York videos. And uh, I, I've been riding that wave, certainly. Um, <laughs> and, and that's actually my biggest fear is when I eventually move out of New York, that will probably, the channel will take a hit, I assume. Um, but, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. What other fears do you have related to YouTube? Um, I guess running out of things that are interesting to say because a lot of my growth came from 
consulting content. And as if for those who don't know, I quit my my first consulting job um, months ago now. But before I announced it, I don't know if I told you this, before I announced it uh, and made the I quit my job video, which, you know, those videos always perform well as, as well because it's just, whoa. <laughs> um, before I announced it, I went months without talking about consulting at all to see, to experiment if my channel would take a hit. And it didn't. And uh, in fact, I even put off a, I put out a one-off video about consulting in the middle to see if that would outperform and it underperformed. Wow. So anyway, that the, this is this is one of the good things about keeping some things private is that you can, I mean, there's a lot of value in keeping things private, and I actually I actually do that a lot, although it may not seem like it. But um, anyway, uh, the question was like some of my fears. Fears running out of something interesting to talk about. So when I when I quit my consulting job, I feared that not having that context, one of the biggest contexts that grew my channel, people came for the consulting and professional content. I feared that oh, people aren't going to stick around when I have nothing to talk about related to consulting. They did, hmm. which was awesome. So I guess, you know, another another version of that, if I if I move out of New York City or whatever it might be, um, that's that's a fear. Yeah, that, well, that makes yeah. sense. And then I guess, like, you know, everyone is always worried about getting canceled. Like, that's in the back of my mind. But, you know, it's less so. <laughs> less so a fear, I guess. Yeah. Um, it, you mentioned before about making some things private versus public. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting as a YouTuber, so much of – the people who are watching you feel like they're your friend and they know you well. Totally. And so how do you decide what to keep private and what to make public? Yeah. So it's interesting because I still am one, like I really am 100% myself in my videos, but I just don't, but I just choose not to talk about, you know, my love life or like my very deeply personal life. Um, th that's really it. Um, so I still am myself and, right. and what people see really is what they get. At least I, I hope so. You can, I hope vouch for that. Um, but, but yeah, I just choose not to talk about like, you know, uh, things in my professional life as well, like the job switch before I had to, before I wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just pick and choose, Yeah, if that, if that makes sense. What advice would you have for other content creators in terms of sharing bits and pieces of their own life? Um, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say that what I do is a blueprint for others. I know that some content creators, I can, I can pick a few, really, really grew um, or a lot of their appeal is how much they share, mm. like it, w things that I would never even dream of sharing. You that know? freaks me out when yeah. you get likes that are associated with a baby or with, you know, your significant other. What if you break up? What if, right. you know, somebody sees your baby? Like right. all that stuff makes me feel uncomfortable for Absolutely. some reason. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I don't want to hinge my success or my views on something like that. Um, I, again, I can think of content creators who talk about their sexual lives and, and I get that that, that there is going to be an audience drawn like, oh, wow, she's sharing this on like, wow, she's like my big sister. I get that appeal. I totally do. So I don't want to say that what I do is what everyone else should do because obviously that works for people. Um, it's just not my, yeah, I, I don't want to hinge my success or people feeling like they genuinely know me off of me over what I think is oversharing yeah. um, to, to, to my standards, oversharing again. Political. You're yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so political. <laughs> well, I don't want to be like, I don't want to insult other people's style. You don't want to like, insult Alex Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's an example. Or like, yeah, I, I won't even say other ones, but anyway. <laughs> but hey, that works for her, you know, like she's Absolutely. hella entertaining. Like I love Alex. So, I mean, you know, I, I still consume that content. It's yeah. just not my, not my, it's not the thing you want to create yourself. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And then with corporate America is mm. probably the, my least favorite topic in the world. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> but explain to me why, what is consulting? First of all, it's just mm -hmm. a word that I've heard so many times. Have, totally. And why corporate America, why do you, why is 
corporate America the thing that people lean towards where you and I are from, I guess? Yeah. Well, one, it offers that stability. So, so kind of talk I mean, in a lot of things, but I mean, and talking about hopping on the bandwagon from Penn, moving to New York, but also in terms of my career where I went to school, it really like, honestly, those four careers, like tech, finance, uh, private equities as was, is also finance, but consulting people just funneled into those. Um, but I, for, for what it's worth, I mean, it does have its upsides, the stability. So, I mean, there is something to be said for getting a paycheck for the same exact amount twice a month without question. Um, as long, unless you get fired, um, the, the obvious exit opportunities, meaning, you know, after two years in consulting, you really are a valuable asset, I guess, in the business world, whether, you know, whether, whether or not it directly translates, you do have that on your resume and you can point to this consulting toolkit that you've grown over two years. Um, you know, whether that that means like, you know, how to, you're proficient in PowerPoint and Excel and like, but also these other soft business skills, like talking to clients and, and, you know, presenting things like you do learn, um, you learn a lot. And so, so I guess it offers that stability, but for me, um, I've realized that that's not necessarily what I want to, you know, do mm. <laughs> um, for, for there are pros and cons to like YouTube and, and other more, I guess, creative outlets versus consulting in corporate America. But um, yeah, it's an interesting topic. Wait, so I thought you were taking another consulting job after some time off. So I am. T so okay. I am taking another corporate job because I want to do both for as long as I can. Yes. I actually got the start date for that extended um, nice. yesterday. Congrats. <laughs> so thank you. But um, I don't I'm thinking about it a lot. And, and as I the last few weeks have met creators who are making such a career out of what YouTube started for them and seeing that in real life mm -hmm. for the first time recently um, is very, very inspiring. And I want to see what to the extent I could do the same thing. Um, but yeah, but consulting does give those things that we just talked about stability and, you know, whatever, lots of things. So I, I want to do both. I want to get best of both worlds if I can, at which point I'll have to outsource some editing and outsource a decent amount of the process with YouTube because it takes so freaking long. But, uh, but yeah, I, I like both. I'm pretty risk averse actually. So, you know, having the consulting to fall back on is, is good Yeah. or having the corporate job to fall back on. How long does it take to edit a video? You just said it takes a long time. So long. It depends on the type. Like I said, for sit-down videos, most of the work is front-loaded with the script writing. And then the editing is a little bit easier in just terms of cutting it, you know, audio placement, overlays, and things like that. But for a vlog, like I mentioned, the story really comes in, in the editing. So that honestly, I hope it, I hope you can tell. It, it, takes a, it takes like 30 hours sometimes. Wow. I've spent upwards of 30 hours just editing a single video. 15 minutes. Yeah, or, or less. Minutes. Yeah, 10 to 15. My sweet spot is usually like 12 to 15. So long time. It's wow. crazy. Perhaps I go a little overboard sometimes. But uh, and by the way, don't go like to my videos expecting a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> but but all those little teeny tiny details really are very manual. It takes just takes a long time, as, as you know, as well, even for, you know, podcasts, I'm sure, which is probably a majority cutting and switching camera angles. I mean, I can't even pretend to know what goes into all this. But, uh, you know, like that takes a long time as well, I assume, doesn't it? Yeah. Making the absolutely. shorts takes a long time. So, yeah. What's something that su has surprised you about YouTube in general after doing it for two years? Uh, I, perhaps I'm naive, but the the hate comments and how quick so many people in the world are to judge you mm. without knowing anything about. I mean, you know, after watching you for two seconds, never fails to surprise me. I I, ha I can't find the humor in it now. Like it, I don't take these things personally, and my self esteem is pretty intact, which is <laughs> which is good. But uh, if it wasn't, you know, that might be a different story. So that is one thing that surprised me. Um, 
besides that, it surprised me how long it takes and how hard. I, I, okay. <laughs> I know people get slack for saying, oh, YouTuber so hard. <laughs> it, I mean, it's the best job in the world, but it, but it is, it takes a lot of work and people don't realize it. And, and so many people are quick to be like, oh, I could do that. I can pick up a camera and do the same thing. It's like, do like once try it and see it, it, it really is. I mean, it takes a lot of time anyway. And what advice would you have for somebody who's just starting out like on day one? On day one. Uh, okay. Day one, I would say talk about something you're passionate about. I know I've, like that's kind of a lot of YouTubers would say the same thing, but that's obvious. I know. But again, for so many reasons, it's one is if you're passionate about it, that will come across. You'll have a better presence on camera Two, you'll have uh, more, you know, higher likelihood to actually continue with it because once you start on YouTube, you can never really stop so long as your goal is to continue growing on the platform, um, which is a crazy thing to think about, but it's, it's true. Um, so talking about something you actually give a shit about is important, I think. Uh, but then too, as I mentioned earlier, delivering value is so, so important. What's um, value? Everyone says value. Yeah, what yeah, is yeah. value? Like, okay, so I'll put it this way. If I started YouTube with a day in the life, like no one knows who I am, so who cares, you know? Once you have an audience, that's different. And then at which point you could argue, are you delivering value? Perhaps not, but maybe you're delivering entertainment or at least delivering an escape to the viewer for 15 minutes of their life to feel happy or whatever it might be. But when you're first starting out, creating searchable content, meaning, you know, something that if you, as you know, you know, if you type something into the internet, it will actually come up. It's not just like something random. Um, but then like actually teaching something. Um, I mean, you can point to creators like, you know, Nate O'Brien, who actually teach teaches very, very concrete things or Graham Stefan just using finance YouTubers. But um, yeah, I think that that's the number one thing that, that, so that's value, I guess. Teaching something, providing entertainment. The entertainment piece is easier once you have a bigger audience because if no one knows who you are, are they even going to find you entertaining if they don't know who you are? So that comes later, I feel like. But so, okay. And to use myself as an example, I talked about, so my, my first valuable videos were why I went into consulting. So actually talking about the reasons and how I did it, you know, the case interview, like literally step-by-step step so I could help people. I mean, I've met people on the street who told me like so many people who told me they went into consulting because of me and how much I helped them with the interview process, which is just crazy and, and kind of ironic because I've quit now. But, um, <laughs> um, but you know, in that way, those videos were helpful to those people, I suppose. And then for how I got into an Ivy League, sounds cringy, I know, but, you know, I did do it successfully, I guess. So I could, in some ways, help people think about what they have to do in high school or, you know, all these things. So, so that's teaching something. That's value, I guess. How do you get into an Ivy League school? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think it's still a crapshoot. Like, I applied to 20 schools. It's not like I got into all 20. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know doing a bunch of stuff in high school. And uh, I don't know, I guess having an angle probably helps a little bit. Like I, I definitely talked about modeling and flying a lot in my in my essays. And, and that was something I suppose unique. I don't know, student body president. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like the extracurriculars and, you know, the things you have to do. And then of course getting straight A's helps, <laughs> too, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I think part of your success is you've taken the things you've done and been able to look at them and say, okay, how can I teach this to other people in succinct way and able that they're able to understand it? Mm -hmm. Where did that skill come in? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, like making things digestible. Uh, hmm. I never thought about that, about like why I have, or seemingly, I don't know. Um, hmm. I mean, a lot of it actually does have a journalistic aspect, which I really enjoy. And specifically with some of my consulting videos, I really, really spent a long time writing the script to those videos to make sure nothing falls through the cracks. Like, oh, she said this, but then that doesn't make sense in this area. Well, let me tell you why it makes sense. You know, things like that. So the journalistic aspect, I also very much enjoy. 
Um, cause it actually becomes like a research project mm-hmm. becomes something like you would do in school. So I, I don't know why I'm good at it <laughs> or so you said, <laughs> but, uh, but I do enjoy it. And therefore maybe I take some pride in it and actually enjoy that upfront process of making sure it comes together as a cohesive entity, whatever I'm talking about. What weird quirks do you have when you are writing out a script or what weird habits do you have when writing in general? I don't know. Weird, weird habits? Yeah. How do you mean? Like, Well, I talked rituals? to David Perel, mm-hmm. uh, who's an incredible writer, and he says he brings a bunch of different waters, like oh. waters and beverages, and he's got five on his desk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he drinks them all, but that's like his weird habit. It's his weird habit. And, and I think it's interesting just looking at, or maybe in YouTube in general, we could, mm-hmm. we could say, like, what weird habits do you have around YouTube? Because when you look and study somebody's weird habits, you could yeah. find some level of something to copy or something that is successful about them mm-hmm. that might slip under the radar you might not mention right away. Yeah. Ooh, I I wish I had more because I kind of unfortunately do wait for inspiration to strike. Mm. Luckily for me, it strikes often enough where <laughs> I can still put out a decent amount of videos. But uh, I definitely go through my days of writer's block and, and I don't have anything um, that like combats that with a 100% success rate. I have a lot of beverages as well. I always have a coffee, water. I mean, you know, <laughs> I do like my beverages too. But um, weird, I don't know if I have weird habits. I just, when I feel it, I, I just sit down and I write for 10 hours. Um, I did that the other day and I'm, you know, it worked out. I got a full script out. Um, but weird, yeah. I, uh, sometimes I'll watch certain YouTubers that that inspire me. Um, sorry, I don't know if that, does it sound You're okay? You're good. <laughs> who, who inspires you? I really like, uh, so I like a bunch of them, but I, I do like Elliot Choi's videos who I was with, with you the other day. Um, I like the way that he's more so like in the pure lifestyle space, but I do like visually the way that he makes his videos more engaging through things as small as zooms, you know, and, and, and the timing of everything. So, I mean, even with certain YouTubers, I will write down, I did this with one of Elliot's videos. I will write down to the second. This is something I have not shared. I will write down to the second what exactly the structure of their video is. So for one of Elliot's, I, I remember to this day, it's been a while now, but like the first 13 seconds was B-roll, like him coming in on a skateboard while doing like a, a slow zoom out, like a pan out with like cool music. He uses copyrighted music. I don't do that. But, <laughs> uh, and then the next two minutes, he's talking about something different, you know, something random. Um, and then the next 14 seconds, you know, so I really, really write down an outline and it's not that I would, it's, I didn't copy that specifically, but it did give me a view of how videos that I admire are, typically structured. So I don't know if that's something weird I do, but I guess it's a tip or something that I think worked for me when it, when I came to making New York City vlogs, because my first one was whatever. And then I think they, they, they got better. And now they're some of the most, you know, best performing videos on my channel. So I guess like really studying other people's videos helps. Mm. It's not a weird thing I do, but it's a thing I do. I well, I think that's kind of weird in a good way <laughs> and, and helpful. I had a guest here, Sam Parr. Mm. He mentioned, if you want to be a better writer, yeah. write great pieces of works yourself and handwrite them. And I thought that was an interesting tip. Great and pieces of works. Like the great Gatsby or great sales letters uh-huh. or YouTube videos that mm-hmm. you want to be like, and you see it, it's successful. Yeah. If you write down exactly what is going on in that video, the script and uh, like you did, yeah. you'll be able to embody that. Gotcha. Okay. There you but, go. Similar, I yeah, guess. Very similar. <laughs> so how does it feel to you when you're watching some of these creators like Graham Stephan and mm-hmm. Elliot Choi. Yeah. And then you meet them. And it was only two years ago when you didn't have a YouTube channel. Yeah. How does that feel? It's so cool. It is so cool. It's it's interesting with YouTube compared to like YouTubers compared to proper celebrities is that with the YouTube, 
you know, you know them, or at least you feel like you do, you can develop this parasocial relationship. So meeting them, it's like just seeing a friend in so many ways. Like my heart didn't pitter patter when I, when I met like some of these other big YouTubers the, versus the way it would if I met Leonardo DiCaprio, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, maybe for other reasons with Leo, but like, you know, <laughs> the, the way I would with Margot Robbie or just anyone, because these people are like, I always say like larger than life. You, you don't, you don't really know them. Sure. They can go on talk show, you know, they can go on talk shows. Um, but really their job is actually to conceal their personality. Mm. They, they, they play these, you know, huge characters and, and you look up to them in a different way that you do with YouTubers. So it, it, it just feels like meeting a friend kind of, even if they don't know who I am with the YouTubers. Which is interesting, um, but it's still so cool. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay it. It's awesome to have made these connections with people that I admire. But yeah, it's not like a, a nerve wracking thing in my experience. I don't know if you would agree with that. But I feel the same way. Yeah. And when people meet you, mm -hmm. what's the, been the experience like? I think the same. When I run into people on the street, I, I mean, I know there are people who DM me saying, hey, just saw you, but was too nervous to say hi. Like I got that. I do get that sometimes, which, which is cool. I'm like, I, I wish you said hi. It's so so cool to me every single time because but because it's really nice people every single time i guess with the exception of a couple that were just maybe some you know a little weird interactions but nothing creepy um most people are very very nice or they tell me why they liked my videos or how i helped them in some way and it's just the most rewarding thing ever i mean one one guy came up to me in tel aviv of all places i was just sitting there it's like 10 p.m i was just having a late dinner or a late drink with my mom and a friend who was there and this guy came up to me and said taylor and I look at him and I'm thinking to my head in my head, I'm like, shoot, I don't recognize you. Are you from high school? Are you from college? And I just don't remember you. And then he goes, I love your videos. You know, like I didn't say this out loud, but I was I was worried. I anyway. And, and and just he was so, so nice and respectful. We took a picture together, told me like he got into consulting because of me. It's just so cool. So it's a it's been a great experience for me so far. Wow. And are you worried? I'm sure your ambitions aren't to stay where you're at. Are you worried as you get bigger, it'll it'll be more difficult to have these interactions? And and there's a great example of Tim Ferriss who talks about if you think about the people in your town, is there one crazy person? Maybe, maybe not. If you think about your county, probably if you think about a state, like almost certainly there's one crazy person. Oh, for sure. And right now at 130,000 people knowing who you are and liking you and wanting to subscribe, that's about a county or a, a large county maybe. And then yeah. if you get to, you know, a million people, now, now you're at a level of a state. Totally. So have you thought about that in, idea? In terms of like safety, you mean? Yeah. Having, absolutely. Oh, I think about it. I thought about it way before now um, because, you know, one of my videos is my apartment tour video that has 2 million views now. And yeah, a lot of people know where I live <laughs> and I, I do what I can to conceal it. But I mean, ultimately, if I'm going to want to show my view, which is one of the selling points of my apartment, I'm going to have to like give up some level of privacy. Um, so I've certainly thought about it. I mean, I carry pepper spray everywhere and my dad has instilled in me very much to be, to be careful when I go out and about, but um, I've totally thought about it and I've had some creepy comments and, and DMS relating to that. Like but, um, what? Just yeah. People that say they know where I live. I haven't had anyone say like, I'm going to show up at your doorstep, but um, I know it's happened to people that we know, like YouTubers mm -hmm. that we know. And that is a scary thought especially when people de like develop a very strong parasocial relationship um, as people have discussed, which, you know, for the, it, what's means the parasocial relationship? It, it's basically when you have a one-sided relationship. So the way that you can feel this with a celebrity, because let's use Margaret Robbie, she's gorgeous. Like you, you, she goes on a talk show host. You love her personality. You love the character she plays. You love Wolf of Wall Street. You feel like you really know her and that she, you know, she must have those feelings for you too. You develop a one-sided relationship, even though she has no idea you exist. 
with YouTubers, I, I feel it's even stronger, the parasocial relationship, because again, you're really getting to know this person's personality. Um, so that can be a little bit scary. Um, I haven't really had anything crazy happen yet, but I know of other YouTubers who have, and yeah, it's all something to keep an eye out for, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And what are your ambitions for this YouTube channel? Where do you see this taking? Where do you think, where do you see it going? Uh, I want it to, I just continue what it's doing, like grow, I guess, as, as big as it can, which is, which is a cool thought. Um, just continue to make content that, that I enjoy, that, that makes me happy, that my viewers want to see. Um, yeah, that just feels genuine to me and my passions. That's just, that's just it. And then, and then from there, I'll figure it out. <laughs> like the side ventures and things like side that. Side quests. Yeah, side quests. How does it feel to look at yourself so much? And one thing that's interesting about putting out content is like, wow, I'm really getting a sense through the content of what other people experience of me. Mm -hmm. And it's only recently that mirrors have become part of our society in general and people have known what they look like. And now mm -hmm. it's like at an extreme level, you know how you talk, you know what you sound, you know your weird quirks, you know the yep. things that you don't like about yourself. Yep, totally. So how has that shaped your reality? Yeah, uh, that that's true. It is interesting. Um, and it's true that in the last two years, I have become hyper aware of my, you know, all those things that you just discussed. Um, I still don't think of, when I'm editing a video, I, I don't see it through the lens of, oh, 100,000 people or 200,000 people are going to see this. I just think about it like, do I like this? And do I think that it's engaging? And do I think someone else might find it engaging? You know, so so if I do something kind of weird on camera, I leave it in because I think it's funny. I don't think about it as though, oh, 2,000 people are going to think this is weird. I just, if I think it's funny, I do it as long as it's not offensive in any way, um, you know. So I don't think it's totally altered my reality, but it is an interesting thing. Um, like I know, I won't even say because I don't want to give people ammunition, but yeah, I do know the weird things about my face or about my mannerisms and things like that for sure. It is it is interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, and like I know when, well, yeah. <laughs> like I know in the summer, as soon as my hair got started to get a little lighter, you know, from the sun, like I, I recognized it. So wow. like on camera, just things like that that I wouldn't normally think about. It's it's weird because in a way we've become more like egotistical in a way of for the, with the content, yeah. putting it out and and seeing things about ourselves like that otherwise we wouldn't have noticed or cared about Absolutely. in a different generation. I would I agree. Yeah, it is interesting. And what about your friends, the people who knew you before? Mm -hmm. Has that changed their dynamic or relationship with you now that 100,000 people are watching you on a consistent basis? Uh, not my close friends. I've had a few people come out of the woodworks, but <laughs> but no, not my close friends. They just think it's cool. They're proud of me. Um, so, so really good things, which I mean, hopefully that's how it would be with people who genuinely care about you. You know, um, I do have some friends actually who I considered close friends that think it's um, so that like shit on it, which is interesting. Really? Yeah. What do they say? Um, or like, how yeah. do people react in a negative way to your success? Um, so I've had some people watch my less valuable, I know I keep using, throwing that word around, but like, you know, some silly videos I did like a year ago, you know, New York City vlogs, or even one of my most popular videos, which is a day in the life of a consultant. I put that out, I think, you know, what, nine months ago at this point, which to my standards today, I don't think that's a very good video. Like, I don't think it gets to the point fast enough. I don't think it's, you know, terribly engaging compared to what I think I do now. Um, but anyway, I've had friends watch those and make fun of like, uh, make fun of those very things, um, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Or, or, or just, you know, people's insinuations that if they picked up a camera today, they could do the same exact thing. They just don't want to, you know, <laughs> when in reality, like, you know, until you work as hard as the people that you admire, don't write off their success as luck or as one specific thing. I think 
that might be Tim. No, it's James Clear, I think. <laughs> I wish I made that up. But um, but it's true. You know, don't write it off as, uh, yeah. And then people, of course, will say it's, I've, I've had some people say it's because of the way that I look, 100% of my success or whatever. And, and you know, I get it. Like, looks play a part and personality plays a part. I mean, everything plays a little part. Um, I'm not naive, but, um, but yeah, I've had some people write it off as solely one thing, which, you know, that's just not. I don't think that's the case. <laughs> what do you so. what do you tell people who receive that type of feedback and who really let it get to them who are earlier in their journey or maybe they have one video pop off and now people are coming out of the woodworks in negative ways. Like yeah. what what advice do you have for that person? I just if you love it, I mean I I really I never let a, any singular comment get to me too much because I loved it so much that I just didn't I didn't I didn't care. I mean, I'm not saying I, I didn't even think about it. Like if it was a close friend that said that, and I did have a close friend say that, um, yeah, it sure bothered me, but I just, I, I loved it so much. I, I'm, so, I'm to this day so passionate about making videos. I just, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> like I'm still going to do it. Yeah. Like, am I going to not do it? I think you said that, um, was it you who said like Logan's Paul's, uh, Logan Paul's greatest regret was deleting a bunch of videos because one girl said it was kind of weird. Yeah. I don't know. I never got to that point. I don't care if you think it's weird because I love it and I'm having so much fun and it's, you know, it's not about money, but it's generating this like nice stream of income for me. So like something's working. It's just, yeah, it's sick. I think it's fun. And, and I, I will say I have like the support of my family and like my closest friends. And obviously that's what matters most. Like the, I, I only really, really care about the opinion of like five or six. <laughs> that's not true, but you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like if, if one of those faltered, that would be a different story. But, um, yeah, so I guess just stay true to what you really, really like and, I don't know, do your best to just hear the other thing as white noise. Yeah. Are, are there any particular practices that you found impactful to help you be more authentically yourself and be more confident in yourself? Um, any practices? That's a good question. Hitting me with the good questions. <laughs> Try to do that around yeah, here. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess just... Uh, Hmm. I'm trying to think. I don't know if I have practices. I think it is something that's come over time, becoming more com comfortable being 100% myself on camera. Um, I don't know. No, I don't really have any practices. It's just something that kind of happened over time and enough people seem to enjoy it, I guess. So like there is that validation loop for sure. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have any practices. Unless, what do you mean specific? Or like, what's an example? So for me, I would say that meditation mm -hmm. allows me to go inward mm -hmm. and therapy is something I've experienced in the past where mm -hmm. I know myself better because I expressed who I was to somebody else. Yep. And so meditation therapy, gotcha. two for me that, that have worked and helped me yep. get closer to myself and be more confident in myself. Yep. I wish I did those things. I <laughs> clearly I, you don't need them. I, no, <laughs> oh, no, it's, uh, I'm sure there, I'm sure those things are helpful to literally anybody, no matter how secure or whatever they might be. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I do spend time, more time by myself these days mm. compared to in college um, because I do have a roommate, but I mean, you know, she works and she's, and now that I'm doing YouTube full time, I'm by myself a lot. So I guess that, that yeah, I probably do some more introspection these days compared to in the past. Um, but, but no, 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 like major practices. I wish I do like to find green spaces in New York city. Like, you know, that's what I do to kind of relax. And, and then I do go home to LA to my family and my dogs um, fairly often, which always acts as a nice little reset whenever I need that time. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, when you went to green spaces last time, mm -hmm. you met a few 
teenage boys, right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't meet them, but heard them. <laughs> they met you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard their conversations. They're the, they're the craziest demographic. I was so curious what they yeah. said to you or... Nothing to meet. I just overheard their conversations. Like yeah. they would just make a sexual innuendo out of literally anything. <laughs> I mean, I think the example I gave in that video is one of the guys really just said like, oh yeah, the math test was pretty hard. And then he's like, oh, you said, you know, really hard. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. And so that's what's so great about your videos is you keep that stuff in. Yeah. You show that <laughs> instead of that interaction happening, you getting upset or you not saying anything or oh, yeah. like it's just funny. putting that in is, is part of what makes your video so appealing oh, to me you. at least. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. It's those, those everyday windows into real life that, that make videos more relatable or um, yeah, fun to watch. And, and I guess it's not super conscious when I think about these things to include, but uh but I guess it turns out that way in, in some, some sometimes, which is which is good. Yeah. yeah. Well, Taylor, I'm so grateful for you coming here today. Thank you for for giving us your wonderful personality and Aww. and um, all these interesting answers on YouTube and and your life. So, Thank any final closing words for the people? Any bits of parting bits of parting pieces of wisdom? Ooh. To, to oh, give the people. I could. I don't want to take too much time. Uh, <laughs> like and subscribe, uh, first of all. It's free? <laughs> it's free. It's zero dollars, as I always like to say. Um, I don't know. I just, yeah, there are a lot of things I could say, but I don't know. Well, we could leave it there. <laughs> we'll say something. Uh, okay. So did you watch my live stream last week? I went live for an hour. It's okay if not. I'm no, just wondering if you popped into that. I For a second, I did, yeah. Okay. Someone asked me about like confidence, and I had this... This very strange um, realization. Like a, when I moved here a year ago, I went to this like very fancy hair salon for the like to get my hair cut. I remember walking in and feeling nervous, like feeling like, oh, I don't belong here. These girls are all like influencers, you know, whatever. It was just, a, it's a very hip place. <laughs> You're an influencer. And, <laughs> I mean, anyway, <laughs> but it, it's not that I didn't belong there. I mean, I had an appointment and, you know, I could, I could pay for it, nothing like that. But then compare that. And then I got my haircut and it was fine. But compared to a couple weeks ago when I got my haircut, I walked into that same exact salon, just like, I didn't, I didn't feel that way anymore. So I, I guess just like, I guess these days, YouTube has made me more confident. I feel like I can walk into a room and feel like I belong there or like I just, or rather I don't think about the fact that I don't or, or the doubts that I once had. So I don't know. It's <laughs> just, this is a realization I had that maybe I would tell you off camera, but like just like walking into your room and, and, and not convincing yourself that you don't belong for any reason because you do. Everyone has those like, you know, imposter syndrome things, I guess. But uh, yeah. I think that's that's a really good point. And I also, it makes me think about the more times we do something, the more comfortable we are with for it. Sure, and for sure. you're obviously going to be uncomfortable going to the gym for the first time. But by the 10th time you go or the third time you go, I don't know how many times you get your yeah. hair cut, <laughs> but you'll be more comfortable and you'll totally. be more yourself because yeah. you're you're aware of the surroundings. Totally. So I think that's a great point. Yeah. And a great but, but that's point. an even, that's, that's probably more so what it is, is like time. Yeah. Time doing it. Yeah. Time and repetition. And familiarity, familiarity and a hundred, wait, how many YouTube videos have you put out? Uh, 65 now, something 65 like that. 65 videos. Yeah. Like you're going to feel more comfortable the next time you hit upload if totally. you've done it 65 times. Totally. Yeah. So that's my wise advice. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it tremendously. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. This yeah. was fun. Where can we send people to connect with you further? Taylor Bell. Taylor Bell on YouTube. Type in Taylor Bell. I knew I made it on YouTube when it no longer came up as, did you mean Taco Bell? You know, <laughs> like that happened for a long time. And then when it didn't, uh, Taylor Bell on YouTube. And then on Instagram, I'm Tay K Bell, like T-A-Y, the letter K Bell. Just type in Taylor Bell, should come up. <laughs> and we'll put it down below as well. Thanks. Thank you, Taylor. I really appreciate you. Thanks for having me.